بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمد ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد قال الله تعالى اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وحل لكم ليله الصيام الرفث الى نسائكم هن لباس لكم وانتم لباس لهن علم الله انكم كنتم تختانون انفسكم فتاب عليكم وعفا عنكم فالان باشروهن وابتغوا ما كتب الله لكم وكلوا واشربوا حتى يتبين لكم الخيط الابيض من الخيط الاسود من الفجر ثم اتموا الصيام الى الليل ولا تباشروهن وانتم عاكفون في المساجد تلك حدود الله فلا تقربوها كذلك يبين الله اياته للناس لعلهم يتقون صدق الله العظيم as we are aware my respected brothers it is the first laylatul jumu'a of the beloved and blessed month of ramadan so before we begin the tafsir of one of the ayat of the quran just by way of reminder allah's rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam with regards to the night of jumu'a this is the most superior night of the week and obviously in the month of ramadan the superiority of this night is multiplied many many times so this is a month wherein we are supposed to exert ourselves the little bit extra maximize the opportunity which allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us so just by way of reminder one or two amal that we should try and introduce in our lives if we are not already there one is allah's rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam said man qara'a hamim ad-dukhan laylatul jumu'a ghufira lahu that, that person who recites surah hamim ad-dukhan that is in the 25th juz of the quran حاميم والكتاب المبين انا انزلناه في ليله مباركه انا كنا منذرين الى اخر السوره ان وميس فام 13 لاين برنت اوف ذا قران از جست بيسيكلي فور بيجز ذا سوره ذير از ا سبيشال فيرتيو تو ريسايت ات اون ذا نايت اوف جمعه رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم سيد ذا وان هو ريسايت سيد غفر له الله ويل فورغيف اول هيز سينز لايكويز ذا ريدينغ اوف سوره كهف whether on the night of jumu'a or on the day of jumu'a there is special fadilat and virtue with regards to this ulama ikram advise that if our nazira our reading looking in the quran is weak and we are unable to read the whole surah at least try and read some section from the first part and some section from the ending part of surah kahf the virtue that is mentioned one is allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will protect us from the fitna of dajjal likewise it is mentioned in the riwayat that a noor of light from this person right up to the arsh of allah will be established if he would recite surah kahf and very very important is to increase our salawat on rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam as the sheikh mona zakaria rahmatullah alayhi in his kitab he writes that on the day of jumua salawat on nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam is even more virtuous than tilawat of quran so so much emphasis has been placed many many riwayat are mentioned 
with regards to salawat on Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam on the night of Jumu'ah, we find that the, in the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Fainnaha ma'aruzatun alayya." Your salawat on the day, night of Jumu'ah is the special presentation takes place of it in front of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So we should be meticulous in increasing our durood, our salawat on Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Likewise, the preparation for the day of Jumu'ah, tabkir, coming early for Jumu'ah salah, making ghusl on the morning of Jumu'ah, applying itar, walking to the masjid. These various etiquettes and adab, we should keep them in mind. The verse of the Qur'an which I recited, أُحِلَّ لَكُمْ لَيْلَةَ الصِّيَامِ الرَّفَثُ إِلَى نِسَائِكُمْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that during the nights of fasting we have made permissible for you الرَّفَثُ إِلَى نِسَائِكُمْ The word رَفَثُ technically does not actually mean intercourse or relations with, one wife, with one's wife. There is a much deeper meaning to the word رَفَثُ in the Arabic language but Mufassirin have a consensus that in this particular instance this verse refers to the fact that our wives are halal for us during the nights of Ramadan. The history behind this is that in the previous ummats their fast they didn't have seri and iftar. Their fast was up till sunset and they had to open the fast after sunset and they were allowed to eat or have relations with their wives until they went to sleep. Once they went to sleep, then the next fast would start. However, through the barakat and tufail of Rasulullah there's a lot of detail and history behind this, the revelation of this verse. But we are not going into the details now because obviously of time constraints. But in this verse Allah Ta'ala tells us that unlike the previous ummats, Allah has made takhfif, Allah has lightened it for the ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa During the nights of Ramadan, relations with your wife is totally permissible. Likewise, eating during the nights of Ramadan is permissible. Even after one falls asleep, in the latter part of the verse, Allah Ta'ala says, وَكُلُوا وَشْرَبُوا حَتَّى يَتَبَيَّنَ لَكُمُ الْخَيْتُ الْأَبْيَضُ مِنَ الْخَيْتِ الْأَسْوَدِ مِنَ الْفَجْرِ ثُمَّ أَتِمُ الصِّيَامَ إِلَى اللَّيْلِ Eating, drinking, relations, etc. will be permissible for you right up till true dawn. The section of this verse that we wanted to de- discuss in a little bit of detail, Allah Ta'ala says, Quran gives us a very, very beautiful analogy when it comes to this relationship between husband and wife. Relationship between husband and wife, this is one of the most fundamental and most important of relationships that exist between human beings. How fundamental, how important, we can gaze from the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, wherein our beloved master sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, إِذَا تَزَوَّجَ الْعَبْدِ فَقَدِ اسْتَكْمَلَ نِسْفَ الدِّينِ فَلْيَتَّقِ اللَّهَ فِي النِسْفِ الْبَاقِيِ كَمَا قَالَ النَّبِيُّ sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, when a person marries, this relationship of husband and wife is so important, so fundamental that Nabi Islam said this person has completed half his religion, half the sharia of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. فَلْيَتَّقِ اللَّهَ فِي النِّسْفِ الْبَاقِي 
let him fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the remaining half. So as we mentioned, many many relationships exist between human beings. That of parents and child, likewise brother and sister, likewise cousins, different different types of relationships exist between human beings. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran has given us guidance with regards to these various relationships. However, if we just do a brief comparison, when it comes to the relationship with our parents, we cannot overly stress the importance of it. Yet, there are just a few verses in the Quran which deal with that. Likewise, when it comes to brother and sister, also just a few verses of the Quran. When it comes to our family ties, they also just a few verses of the Quran. When it comes to the rights of inheritance, they also, in tomorrow night's taraweeh, two rukus of the Quran, wherein the masail of inheritance are dealt with. But this relationship, the one that is between husband and wife, this is the foundation. This cannot be overly emphasized. The importance of it, and it's just a glance as to how much of emphasis the Quran has placed on this. Just this verse which I recited from the second juz of the Quran, Almost two to three rukus of this juz, of the second para of the Qur'an, deals with how a husband and wife are supposed to interact with one another. Conflict resolution. Even when the Allah protect us, but if the occasion of talaq has to arise, the masail pertaining to that, how that should be done, etc. What should we look for in a partner? When there are problems that are faced in this relationship, how should they be dealt with, conflict resolution, etc. Allah Ta'ala, many, many verses in Surah Baqarah, Surah Al-Imran, Surah Nisa, Surah Ma'ida. If you look at our, the example of our beloved master, Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, 11 different marriages, Allah's Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam undertook in his lifespan. This is not out of passion for marriage, Na'uzubillah, it was not out of an inordinate passion for women. If you look at the first nikah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was just 25 years of age. Sayyidina Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha was 40 years of age. If there was an element of passion that was dictating the actions of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then it doesn't make sense. A 25 year old in the prime of his youth gets married to someone who is 40 years of age, and not just 40 years of age, two times she had already been widowed. At one time her engagement had broken. Her engagement with Waraka bin Nofal had been broken. Today in our society, if some engagement takes place, then it breaks up. To us that's a stigma. Something is wrong with that girl or something is wrong with that boy. Why did that engagement break up? Yet, the first marriage of Rasulullah to Khadija radiallahu anha, in her past, her engagement to Waraka bin Nofal had been Broken likewise, she had been widowed twice. Once Ibn Abid passed away, one husband from whom she had one child, one son. Likewise, Abu Hala was the other husband of Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. She had two children from him, one son and one daughter. So Nabi Pak sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his first marriage is to someone who is 40 years of age. He is 25 years of age. Someone who had been widowed twice before. Someone whose engagement also had been broken. 
and Rasul Pak sallallahu alayhi wasallam stays married to Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha for 25 years until the demise of Sayyidina Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha. So we can see clearly from this, like that if we look at the other marriages of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, there is great detail, but obviously because of time constraints, we are not going into the details. But through his practical example, Nabi Pak sallallahu alayhi wasallam showed us practically how to become husbands. In the example of Rasulullah Wasallam's home, what the conduct of a wife is, how a home can be made, how there can be happiness, how there can be sukoon, how there can be peace, how there can be contentment. Because this relationship, as I mentioned, is the most important, most fundamental relationship. Why? Because based on this relationship, what is the objective? The next progeny comes into existence. The lineage of humanity is perpetuated. The preservation of human life is through this relationship. This is why so much of emphasis Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala places upon this relationship. Coming back to that verse of the Quran. Which I wanted to delve on. Inshallah we won't take too much of time. Normally how long have you been? 20 minutes. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Quran is ajeeb. Quran, as I've mentioned many, many times before, is bakhrun la sahila lahu. It's a limitless ocean. One expression, Allah says, Hunna libasul lakum wa antum libasul lahun. Hunna libasul lakum wa antum libasul lahun. This word libas in Arabic, in Urdu also, libas means clothing. Or a garment. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, During the nights of the month of Ramadan, we have made your wives halal for you. And then Allah goes on to say, That they are a garment unto you, and you are a garment unto them. Your wives are your clothing. And you are their clothing. Hunna libasul lakum, wa antum libasul lahun. Now this is, a beautiful analogy which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us and this is something that we should ponder and reflect upon. There are many aspects. What is common about a person's clothing? The first thing is that if you look at your clothing, whether you are wearing a kurta or a vest or whatever it is, there is nothing closer to your body than your clothing. The closest thing to you every day when you put your clothes on, the closest thing to you is your clothing. So in other words, what does this analogy mean? That when your clothing is so close to you, it has the first haq and the first right upon you. This wife of yours, she is your clothing. She is the closest human being to you. So she has the greatest right over you. Another aspect which ulama Ikram mentioned, when they, when they explain this issue of clothing, they say there is nothing that is between you and your clothing. The closest thing to the flesh of the body is the clothing. There is nothing between you and your clothing. In other words, do not let anyone interfere in your relationship with your wife. Sometimes, unfortunately, when it comes to our domestic life, and when we look at our society today, particularly Indo-Pak subcontinent, our background is such, 
that we have what we call a joint family system. When a girl gets married, she doesn't just inherit a husband. She comes into the home. There's influence of the in-laws also. There's influence of the brothers and sisters of the husband. All sorts of influences come in. Shariat takes cognizance of all this. Your parents have a right over you. Your brother and sisters have a right over you. Your family members have a right over you. In exactly the same way, your wife has a right over you. Unfortunately, because we don't take the trouble to learn shariat, and many of our relationships are dictated more by rewaj and custom, rather than what the orders of Allah and His Rasul are. And because our affinity with seerah, and the practice of Rasulullah is not there, very often we find that we are unable to draw the borders and keep these various relationships in their parameters. And today, divorce has become very common. Broken homes have become very common. Arguments, disputes have become very common. And when we look and analyze these things, very often it is interference that leads to the breakdown of the relationship. Inadvertently, the interference of the in-laws. Sometimes the interference of the mother. Sometimes the interference of the father. Sometimes the interference of the brothers and sisters. People are poking their nose in this relationship rather than preserving it and protecting it. So, هُنَّ لِبَاسُ لَكُمْ وَأَنْتُمْ لِبَاسُ لَهُنْ Allah says, your wife is the closest thing to you. There is no hail, there is no obstacle between you and your clothing. So don't let any of these outside influences interfere in your relationship with your wife. Make your home. If there is ziyadati, if there is zulam, if there is oppression perpetuated by your wife against your parents, that also is incorrect. If your parents make zulam against your wife, that also is not correct. You have to become the obstacle. You have to become the protection. How do you become the protection? Not by raising your voice. Not by asserting your authority. Not by shouting and screaming. How you become the, the protection is by humbling yourself. By showing akhlaq. By showing character. Wife gets upset with the mother. If she is right, little bit of sabr, forbearance, tolerance. Mother gets upset with the wife. If she is right, little bit of try and throw water rather than throwing petrol on the fire. Preserve your clothing. It is the closest thing to you. Don't let outside influences become an obstacle. Lower yourself. The hadith of Rasulullah this is one of the things that Nabi took qasam upon. What did he take qasam upon? What did he take oath upon? He said that if a man lowers himself, adopts zillat, a person lowers himself, humbles himself in front of his wife, or humbles himself in front of his mother or his father, to try and keep the peace in his house. He humbles himself and he lowers himself. Nabi Salaam says, Allah will elevate such a person. Allah will raise such a person. This is, this our beloved master sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said on qasam. And daily we get these opportunities in our homes. Opportunities to make our akhirat. Dispute, conflict is not necessarily destructive. We make it destructive by the way we deal with it. If we deal with it in the correct way, if we humble ourselves, if we lower ourselves, that same dispute and conflict will make our home also and it will make our akhirat. It will elevate us in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's one ajeeb incident that's mentioned about Muawiyah radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Muawiyah radiallahu ta'ala anhu was that 
personality who ruled who ruled the Islamic Caliphate for 18 years and he ruled with an iron fist in fact because of Muawiyah prior to his becoming the Khalifa in the early stages there were wars etc after the dispute settled then we find that that was a period of great barakah and blessing for the Ummah, the Khilafat of Sayyidina Muawiyah there's great detail in the history we're not going into all that one day one person you know like we say sometimes when people want to poke or people want to cause problem or people want to cause conflict it's very easy to succumb to that but what is akhlaq and character akhlaq and character is to rise above that think with your mind rather than with your heart so one person came to Muawiyah radiallahu ta'ala and he said a very very inflammatory he passed a very inflammatory remark what was his remark he said كَيْفَ نُنْسِبُكَ إِلَى الْأَقْلِ وَقَدْ غَلَبَ عَلَيْكَ نِسْفُ إِنسَانِ كَيْفَ نُنْسِبُكَ إِلَى الْأَقْلِ وَقَدْ غَلَبَ عَلَيْكَ نِسْفُ إِنسَانِ He said, how can we regard you to be an intelligent and an astute ruler when you are ruled by your wife? Imagine someone coming to say, hey, what kind of mardhe, are you a man? Are you a man? You got petticoat government. Your wife calls the shots. You are giving in to her. Now this statement is made to Muawiyah radiallahu. In layman's terms I'm translating it. How can we regard you to be an astute leader and an, and an intelligent man? When your wife overpowers you, referring to his wife Fakhita, uh, Fakhita bin Yazid, referring to that wife of his, she rules you. She's calling the shots in your house. Muawiyah radiallahu ta'ala who could have rolled up his sleeves, he could have become upset, he could have become angry. If somebody says that to us, what will we say? But look at what a beautiful answer he gives. He says, referring to the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the mafum of the hadith, إِنَّهُنَّ يَغْلِبْنَ الْلِآنِ وَيَغْلِبُهُنَّ الْكَرِيمِ My Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, husbands will be of two types. There will be those who are foul-mouthed, who are harsh, who have harsh tongues, who will strike out, who will assert their authority. They will be able to overpower their wives by being harsh tongue, laim. Then the other type of husband is someone who is kareem, who is soft-natured, who is kind, who is compassionate. Allah's Rasul said the way of the world is such that if a man is compassionate, if he is sweet in his speech, if he is tolerant, his wife will overpower him. And if a person is harsh and he's got a poison tongue, he is laim, he'll overpower his wife. And then our master sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what did he say? He said, لَأَنْ أَكُونَ كَرِيمًا مَغْلُوبًا أَخَبَّ إِلَيَّ Min an akuna laiman ghaliba. Myself, Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as a husband. For me to be soft in my speech, for me to be kareem, for me to be kind and generous and overpowered is preferred to me than being vile in my speech and overpowering my wife. So we want to follow his seerah 
We want to follow his example. This was the example of Rasulullah sallallahu At times his wives, he was the greatest human being ever created. His maqam and status we can't imagine, yet sometimes the wives would get upset with Rasulullah and not speak to him for a whole day. When Aisha radiallahu describes his conduct, she says, Dahakan basaman, my Nabi was smiling, my Nabi was happy, my Nabi was approachable. When he would enter the house, he would make salam. That itself is great detail about the akhlaq of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So Muawiyah radiallahu ta'ala referring to this hadith. He says, you are telling me that my wife rules me, so this somehow, how can I be an intelligent man? I give you the example of the most intelligent human being, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And this is the, this is the akhlaq and character which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam himself imbibed within us and this was his practice so i prefer to follow rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam coming back to this verse of the quran hunna libasul lakum wa antum libasul lahun another aspect ulama ikram mentioned they say if you look at your clothing even a little child you'll notice from the age of 4 or 5 i notice my granddaughter already from that young age they worried about how their clothes are packed in the cupboard, how it is folded. There shouldn't be any crease on the clothing. The clothing should be put in a presentable manner. We are constantly worried that no blemish must come on our clothing. Our clothing must not get dirty unnecessarily. Especially if you're wearing a white kurta. You see in this when you are when you sit down to eat in restaurants, they have a napkin. They put the napkin first. When you go to these functions also. People take the napkin, they take the towel, put, drape it over their clothing. Worried all the time. If you look at, in the modern houses nowadays, look at the, the cupboards, look at the intizam that is put into place just to make sure that the clothing is preserved, the clothing is kept clean, the clothing does not crease unnecessarily. Sometimes if you're walking on a muddy road, what you'll do? you let your pants get muddy or your clothes? No, you'll pick your pants up. You let your feet get the mud. You let your own body get dirty, but you won't allow any of that dirt to fall on your clothing. Such a beautiful example Allah gives. Hunna libasul lakum, wa antum libasul lahun. Your wives are your clothing. In your day-to-day contact with them, there will be challenges of akhlaq of character, challenges of halat and conditions. Challenges of social interaction, all sorts of, use a layman's term, all sorts of mud will come, all sorts of dirt will come. What is Allah telling you? Take the dirt on your own clothes, on your own body, don't let your clothing become dirty, protect the wife. No matter how angry you become, does anyone tear his own clothing? No one tears his own clothing. No matter how upset you become with your wife, don't raise your hand, don't lash out at her. That is similar to tearing your own clothing. The same thing with the wife. No matter how angry she becomes with the husband, she should not be lashing out. Your clothing you always protect. Your clothing you'll make sure is always clean. Your clothing you'll make sure no blemish comes upon it. So in exactly the same way, husband and wife protect each another. Do not lash out at each another. Never ever tear your clothing. Never ever harm your clothing. Take the mud on yourself. Don't take the mud on your clothing. Let the mud fall on you. Don't let it fall on your wife. In the case of the wife, let the mud fall on her. Don't let it fall on her husband. There's one beautiful riwayat. 
where Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam illustrated for us what great fazilat and virtue there is in this. Ayyuma rajulin sabara ala su'i khuluqi imra'atihi a'atahu allahu minal ajr mithla ma a'ata ayyub alayhi salam. Allahu Akbar. Amongst the Anbiya alayhi salatu wassalam, one of the Anbiya alayhi salatu wassalam who is famed for his for the ibtilaat, for the tests, for the trial tribulations he went through was Ayyub alayhi salam. Eighteen years according to different riwayats, such sickness befell Ayyub alayhi salam that the pieces of flesh of his body would fall off. And yet, he was a mountain of sabr, a mountain of patience, a mountain of tolerance. So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, a form of the riwayat, he said, any husband that will make sabr over the bad akhlaq of his wife. Sometimes she gets upset. Sometimes she gets angry. She'll raise her voice. She'll be unreasonable. All sorts of things happen day to day. Make sabr. Take the short end of the stick. Hunna libasul lakum. That is your clothing. She is your clothing. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa said, that husband who will make sabr over the bad akhlaq of his wife, Allah Ta'ala will reward him like he rewarded Ayyub alayhi salam over the sabr that he made. وَأَيُّمَا إِمْرَأَةٍ صَبَرَ عَلَى سُوِي خُلُقِ زَوْجِهَا That woman who makes sabr over the bad akhlaq and character of her husband, Allah Ta'ala will reward her like he rewarded Asiya, the wife of Fir'aun. Asiya radiyallahu ta'ala anha, who will become the wife of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa in Jannat. Such maqam and status Allah Ta'ala granted Asiya, the wife of Fir'aun, so Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says that that woman who will make sabr over the bad akhlaq of her husband, Allah Ta'ala will reward her like he rewarded Asiya, the wife of Fir'aun. Like that, my respected brothers, unfortunately we have run out of time. Hunna libasul lakum wantum libasul lahum. This is actually like a bottle of pearls that Allah has given us. How many different analogies we can look at clothing. One place in the Quran, in Surah Araf, Allah says, Ya Bani Adama, أَنزَلْنَا عَلَيْكُمْ لِبَاسِ يُوَارِي سَوْآتِكُمْ Allah Ta'ala says, We have given you clothing. What is the benefit of clothing? Clothing conceals your private parts. It conceals your faults. It conceals your weakness. It conceals your defects. It conceals your blemishes. The husband should be a parda for the wife. Don't discuss her weaknesses, her shortcomings, her blemishes with all and sundry. Don't start discussing your wife with your parents. Don't discuss your wife with your brothers and sisters. Don't run her down. Cover whatever weakness that is there, whatever shortcomings, clothing, Allah says, covers your faults. So the husband should be covering the faults of the wife. Likewise, the wife should be covering the faults of the husband. Should not be running him down. Should not be picking on him, etc. Second benefit Allah mentions in that verse about clothing. What is the benefit? Warisha. Allah says that clothing is a source of beauty. That aspect of this verse, I'm not going to go into the details now because we've already run out of time. It will take too much of time. Just one more aspect I wanted to mention which will take one or two minutes. We find that another benefit of clothing is what? That you can never ever be without your clothing. No mind what kind of person it is. Even if you are in one room in solitary confinement alone, 
and you are naked, you'll find some sheet to cover yourself. No one wants to be naked at any time. So Allah says, your wife is a clothing to you and you are a clothing to her. In other words, for human beings, this relationship of nikah is integral. You can't do without it. If there isn't nikah, if you don't have a partner, you are like a naked person. There'll never be sukoon, there'll never be chain, there'll never be peace. Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala has mentioned about him that he said, if my wife has to pass away and there are seven days left for me in the world, then too I'll make nikah. Ibn Masood radiallahu ta'ala mentions, if I had ten days left in this world and my wife passes away, I'll make nikah. This rewards we have, that when a woman loses a husband or she's given divorce, then we find that it's regarded as a blemish if we find another partner. She must stay in the house for the rest of her life. This is something that we have inherited from our Hindu background, Indo-Pak subcontinent, that mentality. In Islam, divorce takes place, separation takes place. A woman becomes a widow, a, husband, a, a man loses his wife. This should not be the status quo, find a partner. Find a suitable partner. Don't make nikah so difficult. They are a garment to you, you are a garment to them. Without clothing, life is impossible. You can't stay without it. In exactly the same way, this relationship is imperative, is absolutely important for life. Like we also mentioned, Allah Ta'ala says, they are a clothing to you, you are a clothing to them. One of the great benefits of clothing is beauty. It beautifies one person. Like I said, that requires a great deal of detail. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. Allah Ta'ala give us tawfiq to make amal on whatever was mentioned. Subhanallah.